everyone episode 43 of the jiu-jitsu dummies podcast we're sponsored by fightback cbd get 20 percent off your cbd order at fightbackcbd.com with code jjd my name is milton campus hello hello purple belt out of fight sports coral springs <laughs> you can check me out on instagram at uncle milty bjj me and bo with you here today say hello to the people bo what's up people howdy ho all right, joining us in that's, just a that's few minutes. That's what I needed, Mr. Hanky, right now to think about that. Sorry, I got to go take a dump. <laughs> joining us in a few minutes is black belt competitor Kendall Rusing. So stick around, everybody. Real excited about this one. Uh, huge shout out to Flow and Roll at Flow underscore N underscore Roll on Instagram. Get twenty percent off your online T-shirt, rash guard, or gi order with code JJD at flowandroll.com. DD two fourteen fightwear at DD two fourteen underscore fightwear. Gear for the war on PTSD, right? Get 15% off your online order at dd214bjj.com. Check out their new Soul Armor Memorial Day Gi coming out soon. Very cool. Inside the liner, inside the Gi, is composed of the names of fallen soldiers. So it's oh, really, wow. really cool. It's got all the names. It's just The link is in the bio here. Check it out. Wow. They're not on sale just yet. I know it's coming in the next couple of weeks, so, okay? That's pretty cool. All right, huge shout-out to Warriors Next Adventure. They're actually on the road. I was telling you a little bit today. Yeah, yeah. That's really bad. First stop, engine blows on the minibus. <laughs> they get a new... They got. <laughs> <laughs> they get a new engine. They were driving, I think, like driving overnight. Fire Oof. on like the floorboards of the Oof. bus. I guess the the muffler had a hole, and so like heat was coming out for the wow. muffler and hitting like the the plywood. I guess that they so everything's used going smoothly the then, <laughs> <laughs> just like it's supposed to go, right? So they're back on the road. Last check, they're back on the road. They're had they've had to maybe I think take out two gyms that they were going to stop and film at, but they're on the road again, and we wish them the best. If you want to donate. And help them out because they've incurred some expenses that they weren't expecting. You can find everything at warriorsnextadventure.com. Donate if you can. So let's take a step back. Warriors Next Adventure, they're a veteran nonprofit that, and they're filming a, a documentary called PTSD versus Jiu Jitsu. They're traveling the country for 50 days. They just started here now in April. It'll go right through June. They're coming to my gym on May 15th. Check out the website and click the PTSD versus Jiu Jitsu tab. You'll see the tour dates and the locations. You can come be a part of the filming. And again, check them out anytime at warriorsnextadventure.com. We also want to thank Retro Grappler. We'll be collaborating with Chris on some new designs going forward for the podcast. I showed you guys last week the microphone dummy design. Hopefully, we're going to turn that into a, a rash guard as well. So you can check him out on Instagram at Retro Grappler Shop. And RetroGrappler.com. He's got some incredible designs for sale, rash guards, fight gear, some Muay Thai stuff. It's really cool. Right? Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share wherever you're watching or listening. And if you are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to click the little bell. Right? You'll get notifications each time we launch new videos. All right? Got anything, Bo? Ready to yeah, rock? We're ready. ready to do this? All right. Let's get Kendall in here. Let's do this. Woohoo. 
All right, everybody, joining us today is seven-time world champion, fight-to-win competitor, Gracie Baja Black Belt, Kendall Rusing. Welcome, Kendall. What's up? So happy to be here. <laughs> How you doing? I'm doing well. We doing appreciate well. you doing this. You're, you're our, our official second guest in our new studio, although you're not in our studio, but you're our second <laughs> guest. We had Eli Knight on last week. Uh, uh, but uh, where are you coming to us from right now? So I'm in California. I live in Newport Beach. Um, I go kind of all over California. We have a couple of jiu-jitsu schools, but I am based in Newport. So I'm here now. Okay. Okay. Because I figured, I know you're always traveling. You're doing lots of competitions all over the place. I mean, you, on an average month, when it's not Corona, you're probably traveling, what, two or three times a month? Yeah, typically two to three. Um, I like to stick to two to three because it gives me a weekend to be home and just kind of recollect myself. Um, so I like to be home at least one weekend out of the out of the month, but usually two to three, sometimes one to two. Okay. Yeah, traveling a lot. So now Corona, how are you guys doing there? You know, California was probably one of the most hard hits, hard hit states. And, you know, look, we're we're in Florida and it was just like Corona. What? Really? You know, other than wearing a mask. I mean, people were kind of really just like, yeah, whatever. Let's do what we want. Uh, and that includes, you know, jujitsu academies. What was it like for you guys out there? Or what is it like still right now? Man, it's been tough. Um, I know that everyone has a different, like, unique perspective, especially with competitors and stuff. But with me, my family has three schools. So we opened two, and then I just opened a third one last summer, right? Actually, in the middle of coronavirus in July. So it's been an interesting combination of balancing my life as an athlete with COVID and not having as much opportunity to train or not as much opportunity because you can create opportunity however you need to, but different circumstances, we'll say. And then, of course, you know, different circumstances with competing, but also uh, managing small businesses has just been outstanding, uh, outstandingly interesting, yeah. which most people know and can relate to. So yeah, in California, um, people are really angry at our governor right now. <laughs> most people are yeah. just kind of getting to the point where they're doing what they want to do and people are getting vaccinated and people are calming down. So to be honest, I mean, right now um, we're in a huge growth period. A lot of people want to train. A lot of people want to do jiu-jitsu. Tournaments are coming back. Everyone's training. So it's great. Um, but you could not pay me to do last like March, April, and May of last year. Again, I would not do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was horrible. From a business perspective, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. so you say you have three schools. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny, like you just said, uh, you know, people want to train. When I, I was out for a while, had a knee injury, came back after about nine months, like the day that we were going into quarantine, was out for nine months, came back to a sea of white belts. I came back to my school, oh. which pretty much didn't really close, you know, officially didn't close. But... Mm -hmm. Came back to a sea of white belts, of course, and then they were all like young, 20-something monsters, weightlifters, you know, wrestlers. It's like, oh, God, this is what I got to deal with now. So came back to that. I mean, is that your experience? You said, right, like, you know, your business is good. People are, people want to train. People want to do something. People want to exercise. Wow. And, and jujitsu seems to be one of the things that people are flocking to. Yeah, absolutely. We're having a huge influx of people right now, which is great. People in the fitness industry are calling, are kind of calling it like the ongoing January because every January you have the new fitness challenges and resolutions. <laughs> right now we're having like this ongoing January, which is amazing. Um, and it's projected to last through the fall. I really hope so because of course everyone experienced really tough um, economical times with students and stuff, but it was really, you know, at the end of the day, it's just like competing. It's not fun. There's times where 
you have to really hunker down and do shit that you don't want to do. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're a business owner, you have to be able to adapt because there are going to be circumstances like this. I mean, similar things happened in 2008. Like a lot of people went out of business and then a lot of people rebuilt businesses in a new way than they ever had before. So we adapted, we did what we had to do. And we were one of, you know, some of the schools in the area that did it quickly. And for that, we were able to survive and now thriving, you know, we're kind of making up all that we lost last year and continuing to grow and hiring new people and expanding our schedule. And it's yeah. kind of been crazy. So good season of growth, yeah. a lot of new white belts. Yes. A lot yeah. of new students, kids and adults. It's really good to see. It's awesome to have a lot of people come into jiu-jitsu that maybe yeah. wouldn't have normally done jiu-jitsu. But after this, they're like, let's try something new. Let's do it. Go for it. Let's do get some health and fitness. And it's really special. So I love it. So I always tell everybody, you know, I, I, I help small businesses. My day job in the marketing world, I help small businesses. So okay. you've absolutely been the craziest of years, you know, and I was, you know, talking to different jujitsu gyms and helping them like, you know, get leads and things like that. And then it just like hit a brick wall. And then it was just like, Oh, you know, but you know, Florida and Texas kind of still okay. California, New York, it was just like, we're not doing anything for a while. So now, okay, you have three jujitsu gyms now family business, correct? Uh, I believe, right. You, you grew, did you grow up in, in, in Georgia and then moved to California for jujitsu with your family, right? Almost my family, because I'm 23 and my family moved in 95. So, or my parents, my parents grew up in Georgia okay. on the East Coast. They moved to California to train jiu-jitsu. My dad was a uh, Kyokushin full knockdown karate black belt. He had experienced a seminar with Hickson when Hickson was going around doing those challenge tournaments of like, anybody come and see what they can do. And he was just like obsessed with jiu-jitsu from that day forward. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so he and my mom moved to California to train jiu-jitsu with Hickson. So I was born in California um, and raised here. Okay. All right. So again, so now you have three gyms. How does that work? Is it like you, you know, it, again, are they like full family gyms or do you own one of them or one of them yours? Or it's, it's just a family affair. Yeah. So my family opened Corona, uh, GB, Gracie Bell Corona. So we are with Gracie Baja. So it's, we, opened the gyms before they were franchised, but now they are franchised. And so we're part of that. Okay. Um, we opened Corona almost 15 years ago. And again, that was kind of before things were like officially franchised and jiu-jitsu has changed so much in the last 15 years. But we were Gracie Baja then in Corona almost 15 years ago in like June or July. Then they opened Riverside a couple of years later. So that's been, I believe, around nine years. And then Newport, was more of like my singular project. So okay. Newport was opened in July. So it's all, you know, kind of joint ventures. And a lot of our team, our instructors, our professors will train or will teach between the schools. But Newport was more of my project, whereas I, I help manage Corona and Riverside, um, where it's, but it was more of theirs. They opened it on their own and things like that when I was a kid. So, so what's an average day like for you? You wake up, which gym are you going to? Are you, is it like, <laughs> is like one day it's here, one day it's there? Or is it like you just have a set schedule, you know where you're going? So I have a set schedule, but I'm very flexible. We're lucky we have great teams of people. Uh, one of my biggest, I mean, I love jujitsu and I'm a, I'm a high level competitor and that's what I do, but I'm also very, very passionate about business and leadership. Um, so it's important to me that I have a set schedule and then I have amazing teams that I can help build and mm-hmm. they can handle things. When I'm 
there. So uh, let's say a non-competition week just to make things really easy. So always, always, always Monday and Wednesday, I am in Newport Beach and, and Saturday. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, I'm in Newport. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I'm in Riverside. So a typical like week for me would look like, um, and we can get into training details and stuff too, because I feel strongly about training, but Monday and Friday morning are like my super tough uh, competition trainings in Newport. And then I have my strength and conditioning on Tuesday and Thursday in the afternoon. And I do specific training and drilling Tuesday morning. Wednesday morning, I take off. So that's the morning schedule. And then, or I have meetings, but I don't physically work on Wednesday morning. Then Monday and Wednesday night, I'm in Newport Beach and I'm teaching and I'm training. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I'm in Riverside teaching and training as well. And then Saturday, I'm in Newport. So that's like a bit of an overview. And then if I need to bounce around or go to, if I need to go to Corona or if I need to change it, then I do. And the teams are great. So they do a great job of handling that when it happens. So you said your father got started with jujitsu. Well, started with karate. His his martial arts career started with karate. Was that ever a thing for you? Did you ever cross train, or was it always just right into jujitsu? So I never did kyokushin, and I always like to clarify, like just for my dad's sake, he's so funny. When he thinks about karate, like it's kyokushin is like bare knuckle fighting. Oh, like wow. it is. Yeah, it's gnarly. Like they don't do katas. They don't have oh, pads. Okay. No gloves, like no one really even practices this anymore. Of course, some people do, but it's it never really got big because it's just so nasty that it's like people don't want to do it. Wow. <laughs> like every tournament, people are going to the hospital and they have swollen shins and it's crazy. Oh. So sounds like fun. From <laughs> it's super fun, right? So when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to strike, but he was I like he was never gonna like put me in that as a as a kid. I was gonna get hurt and my face is gonna get messed up and yeah. um and also I don't yeah, I don't know. So I never did that, but when I was in jiu-jitsu, um, I was five and I was born in 97. So like 2002, 2003, I started training. And at the time, there weren't really any girls, of course. That was just not – and there weren't really any kids in general. Yeah. Um, jiu-jitsu was like fight club at the time. And it was nasty and gross for most people. So they were like, I'm not – Not much has changed, that. Kendall. Not in my gym. <laughs> <laughs> so they were like, I'm not putting my kids there. So anyway, uh, I was competing – but there weren't that many competitions for kids yet because jiu-jitsu was kind of getting started and everyone was still coming over from Brazil and things like that. So I started judo. So I did train judo when I was little, mainly because it was more established um, and it was something I could compete in. And that was really like, I wanted to do tournaments every weekend. So my parents were like, oh God, what am I going to do with this kid? I got to put her in something she can do. Yeah. And then of course, judo helps so much with jiu-jitsu. So that was really great. Uh, and then I was also a gymnast from age two to 12. So I did gymnastics for many years oh, wow. and that allowed me to be really competitive too. Yeah. yeah. What would you tell a, a, a parent, like I'm, going to be 48. I started at f right before my 41st birthday. So def got started in jujitsu late, always a fan of boxing and, you know, hit the punching bag and, you know, kickboxing, yeah. things like that a little bit as I was growing up, never really other than a few stints here and there and, and some like Taekwondo and karate when I was little, uh, a few months. What do you tell a parent as I'm getting older and I'm going like, man, I'm getting banged up. I got a rib injury right now. I've been out, you know, knee. Yeah. What do you tell a parent who wants to put their kid in jujitsu? I'm I'm a huge advocate, obviously, for jujitsu. I love jujitsu. I tell everybody, especially when I oh I'm looking for a little Johnny, you know, looking for some karate classes, and I said, listen, do jujitsu, find a school that's got a good kids program. You know, I I, I yeah. I'm an advocate. 
But as every time I get hurt, I'm like, oh, man, am I giving some bad advice here to these parents whose right. kids are going to start really young? As someone who started young, you know, have you dealt with injuries? Yeah. What do you tell a parent about that? Does that ever come up? I know it's coming up for me now. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So for one thing, also, I so I trained jujitsu and judo from age like five and seven until I was 12. When and I almost never had any injuries as a kid. And when and when you're that young, you don't get serious. You bounce so, back really quick. Right, right. So I didn't deal with a whole lot. I mean, bang, banged up and bruises and stuff, whatever. However, when I was 12 and 13 and I went to wrestling, I completely left the jiu-jitsu world. And I wrestled from like 13 to 18. And I wrestled at a very high level. And I was competing with Team USA. And I was winning the nationals and all that stuff. I was traveling all over. Now, I, I say that to say that wrestling is brutal and I got hurt a lot in wrestling and I would even say now that my injuries that I have that I'm dealing with in jujitsu a lot of the time stem from old stuff that didn't get dealt with in wrestling wrestling is really mm. brutal and also just like I don't want to bash on this work because I love wrestling but a lot of the time um wrestling coaches in high school are just not super informed on overtraining injury prevention and stuff like that it's just not it's not necessarily yeah. their fault it's just the way they were trained so all that being said my advice to parents is always just let the kids do whatever is fun for them because if they're having fun they're more likely to self-regulate their training if it's something where you're forcing the person to go every single day they're more likely, of course, to burn out mentally, but they're also they're also more likely to get hurt because they're being forced to go every day. If they're going because it's fun and they're kind of self-regulating and taking a day off when they need it or when they're sore or tired, they're allowed to take a step back. Then again, we like we our bodies are very smart. They will tell us when we need to take a break. So if we're having fun and we're allowed to listen to that, we don't have too much to worry about. But if it's something that's being forced and it's over the top and we're not enjoying ourselves and there's a lot of pressure and stress and discipline and like all like not discipline in a bad way, but overly like being disciplined, I mean, yeah. in that, then you're more likely to get hurt. So that's really my advice kind of in a roundabout way. So just make it fun. You know, gotcha. don't take it too seriously. So have you ever been sidelined by a major injury yourself? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, I have. Okay, go down the uh, list. Couple. Let me get my pencil. <laughs> I know. I, I think know. We all have like a list. We all have a list at some point. Catalog. Yeah, yeah. And again, most of it sounds from wrestling, unfortunately, mm. and and the, not necessarily that wrestling is evil, but just like the like the environment is very very different. Mm. Um, the major, the most major thing that is like the most monumental that I just went through recently was my lower back. Uh, I have you know I have some bulging discs in my neck that put me in like a weird cone thing when I was wrestling. I got suplexed sideways. Mm. Uh, I dislocated my elbow in wrestling. I you know, strained my, my MCL and just a bunch of different things. But the most major, major thing that recently happened, probably as a result of not being informed and lifting way too heavy for too many years up until the last three or four years when I switched trainers and then also wrestling injuries and stuff is I fractured my, um, L1 I'm pretty sure it's my L1. I need to look back. Fractured my, I'm like feeling it to like try to remember my brain. So I fractured my L1 and then my L4 and 5 S1, L3, 4, 5 S1 had like severe bulging discs. So wow. 
instead of just like a little bit here and there or like moderate or mild, it was like severe bulging disc and then boom, fracture. And it was a hairline fracture, so nothing too crazy. But that was last October and it was like a stress thing from over time, stress fracture. Um, so that process has been really, really tough. So I basically was off the mats for the entirety of November, December, January. And then in February, I started coming back a little bit, but I had to go in and out based on how I was feeling. And then in March, I started competing again. (laughs) So I kind of came back to competition quickly, but the main thing that I did and and the fractures heal, it's calcified and everything. And the bulging discs are just something that I have to learn to try to heal as well as I can. um, And just do the best I can with that and manage it. But all that to be said, my number one advice for anybody who's having serious injuries is to keep your recovery time in line with your normal training. So don't mess with your routine too much. So for example, my physical therapy was very strict, very disciplined. I went three days a week without fail. I didn't skip and I put it in place of my training times in the morning. So I still had that sense of accomplishment of pride that athletes that that we get from training where instead of like being depressed and poor me and this sucks, it was like, okay, I'm going to training, you know, okay, I'm going, I'm going to my next thing. I'm doing the right move. I'm, there were super hard days. You know, I cried. It was, it was depressing, (laughs) but you just like, you can either like sit into that and feel sorry for yourself, which I've done before. Don't get me wrong, but, or you can view it as a challenge and, the training alive and all that. And that was a really interesting experience for me, but I'm back now. So, it's so good. you mentioned wrestling a few times and I like a little light bulb went off. I yeah. saw you did a wrestling match and fight to win. Yes. Did you do, was that you? Not did I see a video? Win. I've done a bunch of nogi with fight to win, but not wrestling. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I thought I not remember seeing wrestling. somebody, I, I'm like, did we see her? Did I see you in a singlet? doing a, a wrestling tournament or a wrestling fight to win. Posted some singlet videos lately. They were like throwbacks of me wrestling. That's probably maybe, what it is. maybe that's what I'm thinking. I'm but I you know I, I saw that fight to win uh, when they started up in, in Texas recently, right? Like they did a the they had, they had a whole bunch of wrestling female wrestling matches. I think it was on one of the uh, all female cards and they did a whole thing of wrestling maybe and it just again my mind Not just went somewhere. I probably posted it around the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about competition. What's uh, like what what's coming up for you? Or let, well, let let's go back a little bit further. How do you get into the competition side? Were you like competing right from a, a kid as soon as you got into jujitsu? Yeah, I mean, jujitsu makes it really easy because you kind of can just pick and choose when you want to compete. You mm. don't have to qualify for anything. You yeah. don't have to apply. You don't have to. Honestly, it's really easy. Way more than other sports. So when I was a kid, I mean. They were competitions. My parents asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, yes. And they signed me up. And that was pretty much it, you know, and then we were trying to compete every weekend. So for people who are looking to compete as kids, it's as simple as a Google search, unless your instructor already knows, you know, you can just search kids jujitsu tournaments near me and they're going to be popping up. Of course, right now is a little bit funky um, with that. But for the most part, I mean, in California, there's like a tournament every weekend, multiple tournaments every weekend. So, um, yeah, I mean, just started competing as a kid and then, with judo, things got a little bit more serious because they are more uh, established with like USA judo and nationals and stuff like that, rankings and all that. And then wrestling is really where things took off. So I was always competitive, and I, you know, as a kid, I like 
was able to compete in the IBJJF uh, Pan Juvenile Blue Belt when I was like 12. That was back before they had all the rules about birth certificates and stuff. Oh. <laughs> so, I was able to, <laughs> so I was able to compete at a high level and I loved it and it was exciting. But when I got to wrestling and I was able to dream about the Olympics, I mean, everything changed. I was like, oh my God, this is legit. Like, this is the best of the best. This is yeah. as good as it gets. And everything that I did revolved around being an Olympic champion, everything, you know, from age of 13 to 18. Um, and part of the reason was because jiu-jitsu didn't have that. So it was kind of, and also, and also to be fair, when I was, you know, when I was a teenager, jiu-jitsu was a lot different for women. Like you didn't really see any women making a living and mo most men couldn't either, but especially women making a living off of being a jiu-jitsu athlete. Whereas mm -hmm. now in the last five or six years, that has completely changed um, and it continues to change and grow. So yeah, I'd say like the biggest driving force for me was just being the best in the world at what I did. And for a long period of time, I meant trying to be an Olympian. So, okay. So let's talk about the Olympics now. There is, I, I'm, I've read it in maybe just a couple of posts. I can't say I've looked too far into it. They're supposed to be adding jujitsu to the Olympics in, is it 24? Is that actually happening? I didn't read that article, but wasn't that an April Fool's article? No, why did they got me? Did they get me? Son of a! I think they might have got you. Son but of I didn't a! Read it. That's, uh, and maybe that's why I, at the time, maybe that's why I didn't look too much further into it. I'm like, really? Are they really doing this? Oh, got me. I know. April Fools. Fool right here. I could be wrong. I mean, don't like, don't take my word for it. I could be totally wrong. I want to Google it, but I don't see jujitsu going into the Olympics because there's two camps of people, people who want it in the Olympics and people who don't because they want it to just be a professional sport like the mm. UFC. People like are a fan of the Olympic route and they're a fan of the UFC route. And it's very hard to have both at the same time because getting into the Olympics is a monumental deal. I mean, if you remember a couple Olympic cycles ago, they tried to take wrestling out of the Olympics, which is like wrestling and track and field are the first Olympic sports. Right, and they, everybody but, went nuts. So, yeah. And so what wrestling had to do is they had to come back and revise all of their rules and everything about the matches to make it more exciting for viewers. So in my opinion, if you look at something like AJP, which is the UAE Federation, they made their matches five minutes. They made penalties and advantages all or one point. They're changing the rules to, and they call stalling really fast. They're more of a professional, like, okay, we want national teams. We want world championships where you have to qualify by points. We want Olympics. But then if you go to other organizations like fight to win, they're more focused on excitement, money, professionalism, put on a show. And it's a totally different approach. Now, all that's good. All of them are great. I enjoy competing with all of these organizations. But when you look at the Olympics, the reason I think it's very unlikely is because we're not united, which is okay. But because we're divided in these two goals, it's going to be very hard to get something into the Olympic committee, even as a trial sport, because they do it as a trial sport before mm -hmm. they do it as an official one. So that's my, my viewpoint on that. So the fight to wins, when's your, are you, do you have a scheduled fight anytime soon? Yeah, I'm fighting. Um, so next week they're doing subversive and that's going to be in Miami. So I'm coming to your city next week. So I'll be there Ooh. next week. And uh, it's a fight to, win tonight. Fight, to, fight to win tonight is, is in Miami as well. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it's at this really cool venue. I forget the name of it. It's like a music I, venue. I went to the old, my, uh, one of my coaches, I have a, a husband, wife team, uh, Sophia Amarante. She, uh, she competed that day uh, along with another girl in my gym, uh -huh. um, Flo. And, and 
I went to, I, I forget the name. It was, Les, is it Lasbada? It's not Lasbada. It's something like so, that. Law something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I went to that one, so I know where it is. And then we're, we're filming a couple. We're filming with you, and we're actually filming with Liz Clay later today. So um, it's going to be, we'll be filming, you know, pretty much all afternoon. Well, for us, it's going to yeah. be into the evening. But but yeah, yeah, that that one's here. If, if I, I would be going to that if we weren't filming. But um, yeah. So yeah, that so, tonight's good and then i'll be here next week or i'll be there next week at the same thing and next week liz clay is also fighting andressa uh andressa which is going to be a really amazing fight she's i think the title fight next not yeah i think it is a title fight or it's the main fight next week along with the subversive card so the subversive card is going to be a three-on-three tournament so we're representing gracie baja it's myself Saul viira and lucas nora um and it's like a plus 180 male minus 180 male and then open weight female and then we do a three-on-three uh it's like an eight-team bracket so gracie baja won in the gi last summer when i was competing on the team we won the the team title and then there was a no-gi event and now this is the second no-gi one so we're going to try to get the no-gi title too so it's going to be super fun so yeah. you fight to win. I know you're a regular, right? You said subversive. Mm-hmm. Any other organizations that you're kind of a regular? You know, well, you got kind yeah. of a, have you done uh, who's number one, right? I've not done who's number one. Um, there have been a couple that like coincided with my injury. So now that I'm back, I'm definitely hoping to be on the card. Uh, been in the works. So definitely hoping for that. And then I'm obviously a huge IBJJF regular. Uh, I'm definitely like, not in the camp of people who like hates on one organization or the other, to be honest, but I just, I just don't think that it's helpful for anybody. So yeah. I compete with every organization. I compete with AJP a lot, which is the Abu Dhabi organization. They put on great events all the time. Um, I be JJF. I'm a huge regular. And then um, pretty much any like super fight organization that does like good production and stuff, mainly fight to win. And, and subversive is like an, a subset of fight to win. So they're together. And you, you yeah. were overseas recently. Were you in Abu Dhabi within was, the last yeah. month or so? What is mm-hmm. that like, what is that like Dhabi going Dhabi. in like culture wise? Is it, is it a culture shock or when you go into Abu Dhabi itself, is it kind of like a little bit more lax and more comfortable? Well, it's definitely a little bit of a culture shock from like from America, but at the same time, they're very accustomed to tourists and I've never had any bad experiences or felt uncomfortable in any way, either in Abu Dhabi or Dubai, but it definitely is different. I mean, if you go visit the temples, like out of respect, you have to um, cover your, your hair, your shoulders, and you have to dress in a certain way. Um, PDA is not allowed in any anywhere in Abu Dhabi, like can't even hold hands or anything like that. Really? Um, so definitely, def- definitely different, different culturally. Um, but I just think it's your responsibility when you travel to kind of look into that before you go and just be respectful and and uh, do what you can to, again, be respectful to the area you're visiting because it's not your home. It's a bunch of other people's homes who have a certain custom, you know, just like when people come here, although we don't really have anything specific in yeah, America right. that I can just, just go to McDonald's <laughs> at some point and you've got the whole American yeah. experience. Yeah, but I've always been treated really well. And AJP does a great job of like, they honestly, they treat the athletes really well. They make us feel like celebrities. And, and jiu-jitsu is so big over there. It's in the elementary schools. Yeah. It's in the police and the military. So when you go, I mean, people there know all the jiu-jitsu stars, which is yeah. really unique. So that's yeah. really special too. Yeah. That's really cool. So you said something mm-hmm. before about, um, I okay, so, you know, you, you part, your family, you, you own gyms. Mm-hmm. Is it, a regular competitor, somebody who wants to make a living in jujitsu, 
Can they do that without coaching? Can they do that without owning a gym? Is it there yet? Is it in a place where you can make a consistent living off of traveling and competing? You can, but you need a few things. I mean, number one, you need to be like top five to 10%, if not smaller, you know, you need to be one of the best because this jujitsu is not quite at the point where we have room for like the top 20 to 30% to be making a living. This is really still top five to 10% in my opinion. So that's one thing you need. You need to be the best. Um, two, you need to be willing and able to negotiate because a lot of times people just don't really understand how to have business conversations. So if you're not able to do that, you need to get people to help you be able to do that or ask for advice. Um, and three, I think you really need to give a shit about social media. Like that's another thing too. A lot of people try to be like, Oh, I don't, I don't care about my followers or I don't care about this. And it's like, well, that has a lot to do with how much money you're going to make. Yeah, like, right. I, like drop, drop the fake humbleness and just step into the fact that as a sponsored athlete, your job is to be a marketing expert. And so if you're not willing to be in a marketing expert, you don't just get paid because you're good. You get paid because you bring value to companies who believe in you and your in your your ability to bring value back to them. Yeah. Whether they're good people or not, of course we all want to work with great people, but someone can't just pay a bunch of athletes because they like them, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. a business. Yeah. <laughs> just like of course, you know, like with with a podcast you want to bring on people who people want to listen to. Say, right? It's the same thing. Let me show my sponsor flow and roll on my yeah. Can you tell I'm a purple belt today? I, I love if it. you didn't know I'm a purple belt just so you know. So, but Bo says it looks blue on the camera, but this is a flow and roll so. I I actually yeah, it's funny like you know, look, we like I in my market, I sell like social media marketing for a living. This uh, lead generation. Oh, so, yeah. So you're talking my language. As a matter of fact, Bo's over here. As soon as you said, you know, you got you got to know how to do this stuff. And Bo's, I just see his head going like, yeah, like we know we've been doing this for so long. Uh, yeah. But, you know, or really not podcasting. You know, the podcasting just kind of came together. It was my silly idea. I was uh, got together with a group of friends and we would just always have a couple of beers and, you know, a slice of pizza or some wings after training. And, yeah. you know, as a blue and then a purple belt, I'd hear these stories from like the black belts that I was friends with. And I was just like, God, I wish we recorded that. <laughs> that was like so amazing. I mean, like, God, like I just want to take that information and just give it to yeah. like the white belts. And and that's how this was born. It was never like a marketing thing or, you know, to get sponsored or anything like that. But that's what it turned into. So we were able to take our marketing backgrounds, post-production background, and turn it into this. So, you know, like, you know, we're nodding our heads over here. Yeah. The other day I posted something and I'm looking at it. And I said, oh, my God, I look like a freaking NASCAR. Like the image that I posted had like all the logos on the bottom and then the stickers on the computer. And then we had a different backdrop. So there's all the little logos. There. I'm like, oh, my God, this is too much. So like, OK, we got to figure out some other ways to do this. But it was like, it was a lot. It was a lot. Luckily, it was a lot. You know, we have a lot of people that, that have come to the table and done stuff with us. So um, so it's really yeah. fun. But, yeah, if, if you're not if you're not paying attention to social media, I, I completely get that you're. Uh, I think one of the reasons why people fail at podcasting, I could talk about it from the podcasting side, is because they just think it's going to go viral. And I think that some competitors just think that, oh, I'm going to post my win and it's going to go viral. And then from the as someone that's been approached to sponsor an athlete, like, hey, do you guys do sponsorships? You know, okay, you send them some T-shirts and see what they do. And then they, they, don't, they post like when they open the box and they wore it once and then you never see it again. You know, so I'm like, yeah. you got to, hey, listen, you know, I'll keep on sending if you keep on showing. You know, you got to wear this stuff. You got to put the pack. I'm going to send you patches. You got to put them on the gi. You know, you got to, you know, things like that. Well, this is the kind of thing we're talking about with 
like having a business sense. So like I said, one, you got to be top five to 10%. It, it, and this isn't to say to make any money, but this is to say to like make a decent living, right? Yeah. Like you can make some money being something else and having a part-time job or doing whatever you want. But if you want to be making real money being an athlete, then you got to be top five to 10%, right? And then second, again, you got to be able to negotiate and have clear communication. And three, you got to be able to care about social media and marketing. So when the number two is really important, because this comes down to, in my experience with business relationships as well, when you're dealing with sponsors, it's like, let's be very clear. I'm not just going to be vague and then hope that you understood what I wanted. I have to be very, very explicit. And I think the same thing from whoever you're deal you're working with, like, this is exactly what I expect. Can you do this? If yes, awesome. If not, no hard feelings. And we can just continue being friends. Um, so those things are really, really important. And then being consistent. That's another thing too. People just really give up. Like if they're, if, you know how many people I, I reached, like I reached out to, to get a gi sponsor. And I don't even, to be honest, I don't even like in the very beginning, I didn't even care about the gi or anything. I was just looking to make extra income on my, on my monthly because yeah. as a green salon teach uh, instructor and, and a uh, school owner, and I, I don't even wear them inside the gym, right? Yeah. I don't need geese. I don't need someone to send yeah. me 20 geese. Yeah. <laughs> so with all that being said, like I messaged probably like 30 companies and got almost zero response. And then a couple people say no. And then it was like three and I'm already, you know, multiple time black bubble champion in the, in no gi. And then I get a message like three months later from Venom. And then I started working with Venom. You know, it's like people yeah. are just really afraid of hearing no and don't have a whole lot of self-esteem. And so if they get the answer, no, they think that that is no from everybody and they just start to give up. So with all that being said, of course, then you can look at other supplements. Like, are you marketing seminars well? Are you making sure that you actually give a shit about how well your seminar does? So are you showing up and giving the best seminar of your life every time so that they tell all their friends and then you get invited back? Yeah. Private lessons, same thing. Are you giving a good experience when you're asked to, you know, do an event or teach a special class? Like these are things where like so many athletes, it's sh I feel strongly about this. Can you tell? Yeah. It's like, it's shocking to me. Honestly, man, it blows my mind how many high level athletes think that because they're high level athletes, people are just going to flock to them with a check. And it's like, this isn't about who you are. It's about the value you can bring. Yeah. Whether it's with being entertaining on social media or giving a kick-ass seminar or just being genuine and having a loyal group of people who follow you and really care about what you have to say. There's so many versions of it. We don't all have to be Gordon Ryan. We don't all have to post bikini pictures. If that's you choose to do either one of those things, fine by me. I don't care. You do not but want to see me in a bikini. Don't <laughs> No, but I'm not posting my – I have them, but I'm not going to post them. Oh, okay. no. <laughs> But it's like, don't lock out this possibility of making this life work for you because you don't like one or two versions of it. That's what yeah. blows my mind, you know? So that's yeah. like, oh, really irks me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I mean, look, I, you know, a lot of professional athletes sometimes, not in all cases, but they can make more from the sponsorships than they do from the actual sport, yeah. you know? And, you know, yeah. basketball play, like, I mean, like, let's just take, you know, the, the obvious, like a Michael Jordan, who to this day makes more from his sneakers probably in a year than he did, you know, his whole career training. I heard some numbers the other day that were just like ridiculous of what he makes yeah. off of, of off of the sneakers that get launched. It's it's just crazy. Right. But yeah, I guess, you know, it, it it's always nice when I'm here, when I'm talking to somebody who reinforces some of the things I know, kind of gave me a couple of nuggets that I wasn't thinking of. 
Because I do, I probably do like I pr- probably spend more time sending out like incre- like hey, you know, we'd really like to get together with you. You know, I'd been doing it just because of really time more than anything. I usually say like, you know, I put it out as a post, like hey, if you're interested, get in touch with us. Which you know, right. not they're not always hey, oh yeah, let me send this guy some stuff. It's not going to happen like that. So you just kind of you know, reinforce that I need to get back to doing that for the podcast. Cause look at the end of the day, I call this when, when we're not on air, I tell both, this is my retirement program. You know, when I retire Hi. from doing my day job, I'd love to, you know, this to me isn't work. This is the most fun work that I've ever done, but it does. It's right. making it. We started out with it, not making any money for the whole first year. And then it right. was just like, all of a sudden sponsors really did come to the table. First, it was just product. And then it turned into product and money. And now it's just like, okay, well, yes. oh wow, we could really do this, you know? Well, and then, Amazing what happens when you put yourself out there too, because I feel like a lot of times in jujitsu you get this physically, but also on like in classes, but you like the but you also get it online, where people are so obsessed with like I like what I'm worth or the value I bring to the table. I need to be paid X, Y, and Z. I deserve this. I deserve that. And it's like, look, you deserve whatever you're being paid right now because you are putting your value out at whatever you're getting back. I mean, unless like you're in some really shady, horrible deal and that's an extenuating circumstance. Yeah. But for the most part, like if you look at my Instagram, like so, like the people, like I'll bring it back to Gordon Ryan just because everybody knows who I'm talking about. With Gordon Ryan, how much stuff does he post for free that's technical advice that is like, of course, like take the shenanigans out of it, but like technical advice, stuff that you can really utilize in your jitsu, asking and answering questions, really caring about what people are asking and having to say and giving advice for free where you could say, Oh, well, like I'm worth so much. Like my time is very valuable. I shouldn't have to spend time doing that because I'm a champion. Well then look at his sales on his DVDs. You know what I'm saying? Like people think they have, like they can't give free information or they can't do work for free or show up on a podcast or whatever it is because it's not worth their time when you don't know the way that's going to return to you. And just getting the experience in practicing being a teacher or practicing being a presenter or practicing being a public personality or whatever you want to call it is a lot of time, a lot of times worth way more than like getting a hundred bucks for your time. Right. And then having a weird relationship with whoever it is that you're dealing with. It's like, that's just my, my opinion. And I've seen every time I put myself out there and do work for free or really answer questions in the DMs or really, you know, spend time with students after a seminar that I'm not paid for or whatever it is, it always comes back and I learn a lot more in the process. So that would be my number one advice to athletes is like, stop worrying so much about what you're worth because you'll be paid what you're worth if you're worth a lot, but you have to show that first. It's just like a job promotion. Like you have to show that you're worth it first and then you get the promotion. They don't hire you to be the boss and then see if you can do it. You yeah. know, like yeah. that's backwards. We, uh, so anyway, I have a, I have a client. I've talked about this again on, on multiple podcasts and I wound up finding it's a Napoleon Hill quote. And yeah. I have a client who has this on his voicemail. It says you could succeed best by helping others succeed. And yes. I didn't, I, I would just hear that and I would love hearing it. And right after I started hearing that, we started, we have a, a foundation called the Jiu-Jitsu, the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. We actually mm-hmm. award scholarships to, we did a, a t- two children already. We've awarded two kids scholarships mm-hmm. and we're going to do a veteran or a first responder next. And it's, it's like we're only a year in. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know the, the little boy uh, that got bit in the face? Uh, protecting yeah. his sister from it? He was our first uh, uh, awardee. So he was actually... Uh, uh, doing jujitsu with his family already. Bridger Walker's his name. 
and he was already doing jujitsu with his family, but we didn't know. So, you know, I saw that in the news and we're like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's, oh, wow. And then as soon as I heard he does jujitsu with his family, I was just like, oh, that's the guy. That, he's, the he's gotta be the first one. That's the perfect first one. And then our second yeah. one was a, a girl named Gemma Fiorenza and she raises money wow. for Tap Cancer Out because her mother's, you know, um, uh, battling uh, colon cancer. So, okay. but you know, to bring it back to kind of what you said is what the mantra that we've lived by here with the podcast is, we're almost, you know, we work with We Defy. We're an ambassador for the We Defy Foundation. We have our own foundation. We work with DD214 and Warriors Next. We're all helping like veter- with the veteran PTSD and suicide. So, you know, hey, look, we all of those guys don't pay us. You know, th- not all of right. them pay. You know, it's, some of them, it's just like, hey, we want to help. So we've just kind of lived by that here. Like, we're going to help. We're going to succeed. We're not doing it just like, oh, I hope I succeed by help. No, it's like, hey, let's, yeah, we could do that. Like the, the We The Five logo was up behind my shoulder there. Um, you know, hey, let's do this. It's the right thing to do. Most of my uh, my co-hosts that, again, you don't get to meet today, but that were part of our original round. Everybody was ex, you know, jujitsu practitioners and all ex-military. And we had one female whose husband was still a Marine at the time. So everybody was involved with the show. It was just like a natural fit for us. And then we just started working with all these veteran organizations. So I agree with you 100%. You can't just wait for somebody to come knocking at your door. You know, you sometimes you have to kind of, you know, break down that door and say, I'm here. This is what I offer. This is what I bring to the table. And for, the, you know, the Gordon Ryan example, when you were saying it before you said Gordon Ryan, I'm like, she's talking about Gordon Ryan. Because, <laughs> I mean, I get that. It's kind of like, uh, you know, there's a, there's a sense of entitlement, love him or hate him. He has a sense of entitlement. I'm this. At the same time, I get his frustration and that it's hard for him to get a fight. It's hard for him to just get a fight through through most organizations. So I guess that frustration comes out in that cockiness, that arrogance, that the world owes me something. Uh, but also, look, I mean, there's there's different versions of it. Like Mikey Musumeci is almost the total opposite, but he does a very similar thing where if you ask him a question in the comments, he will leave a detailed response. Like he really cares about helping the people that are interested in his jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And so who do you think has like second best sales in in DVDs? Mikey's up there. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can have different approaches, whether you're turned on or off by certain personalities is fine. Who cares? You know, because there's room for everybody to win. That's where it's like, gets really like people get so competitive and nasty towards other people on social media. And it's like, just stay in your lane because there's room for everybody to win. You can have an approach to it. That's different, but you have to have some kind of approach. You can't just expect to be a champion and then everyone's just going to pay you. You know, you have to bring value. And a lot of times just showing up to a tournament and winning is not enough value to warrant being handed money. And again, you like, yes, you have to have negotiation skills. Like when I do super fights, it's very important to me that I have negotiation skills, but I gather data. I find out what other people are being paid. I find out how many people are actually purchasing flow and or buying tickets because of me. So I get the information instead of just saying, Oh, you know what? I think I'm owed $5,000 or $10,000. Please hand it to me. It's like, okay, what is actually happening here? And then can I track it as it goes up? Because then when you have the confidence, like, the whole value conversation is so funny to me because like get what you're paid, uh, get what you're owed or get what your value is. The market will tell you what your value is because it's going to tell you who's buying and who's not. It's black and white. It's not really a question mark. So once you find out what it is, well, now you have not only the negotiation power, but you have the confidence. So when I negotiate with a sponsor and I say, look, I used to have 20,000 followers. Now I have plus 50 and look at my engagement analytics. It's very black and white and I have confidence and I'm not, 
I'm not concerned about, oh my God, am I asking for too much? Because I know, but you have to give a shit. And if you don't give a shit, it's not going to, it's a job just like anything else. It's a job. You know, it's not for free. So that's my gripe with a lot of athletes. No, those are all great, great advice. Funny enough, you're the first person that in this is episode, what, 43? What would we say? 43, 42? 42. 40, no, 40. Uh, 40, 43, I think. 43. Um, cool. You're the first person, and we've had probably 40 guests <laughs> that has talked about this. And, you know, the subject has come up about sponsors and getting things, and, you know, and it's usually kind of the answers are like, yeah, uh, like I'll always give everybody uh, some time to shout out their sponsors. And sometimes they'll be like, no, I don't have any sponsors, but if anybody out there wants to sponsor me, and then, <laughs> and then and then it comes back to like, well, I've never seen him online, like, or I don't see him taking any actions to get sponsors. I mean, I mean, those were probably like, you know, kind of smaller guys in in, in the jujitsu world, but yeah, you have to pay attention to these things. You're, I when I was a when I was a, a in my teens and in my early twenties. Like jobs always just came to me. Somebody just offered me a job. Like I didn't really have to like look for a job. And then I moved mm-hmm. from New York to Florida. And then I came down here and the company I was working for went out of business. And then nobody was knocking. And it was just like, right. well, yeah, something will come up. And nothing came up. And it was just like, oh, I have to go out and get something. And that's what I think. When you when you were saying what you were saying, that's what I think about. It's like, they're, you know, when you're when you're younger, sometimes those things just tend to happen, you know. But when yeah. you're an adult and it's like, I need this to live. Yeah, you you better knock down some doors, and you better be, you know, in in this new world, you better be posting on social media. You better be building your following. You better again yeah, show be, value. You know, and just be innovative as well. Like I just recently started a program that I haven't seen anyone in jiu-jitsu doing, where I do an online mentorship program. It's a ninety-day program mm-hmm. for students who want to learn the four pillars of jiu-jitsu success for me, which is. Uh, mindset, number one, jujitsu technique, strength and conditioning and nutrition. And I teach them those four things for jujitsu athletes in 90 days. And they pay me a very large amount to mentor them one-on-one. And this is like something that so many high level athletes could be doing, um, that I've committed to as another business that I'm, that I just started a couple months ago. It's extremely successful for me so far. And it's like, most people just don't, like maybe they just don't think about the opportunity to be innovative. Um, but also they just believe like, well, there's this way that people have done things and why doesn't just the fight promotion just pay me more. And it's like, what's going to, I mean, for me, think about it. I was just out for almost six months. What if fighting was my sole source of income, but I couldn't compete. I did see my income go down, but I didn't have to worry about it because I have way other, a lot of other sources. So now I almost see, honestly, like my fighting income is kind of just like play money to me now or savings or paying off things or whatever. Like I don't have to rely on that because I've created other streams of income for myself, but it involved being really creative, really thinking about, okay, what is needed? What are people looking for? What problems can I solve? And then three, yeah, caring about my social media because that helps everything grow and being consistent and not whining when I don't get results. I may go like weeks and weeks and weeks with almost no followers, but then boom, all of a sudden I gained 2k and it's like, okay, well I was consistent and I, and, and then I had a post that went viral, but I didn't know which one it was going to be, yeah. you know? So I can just pick the viral one and only make that. I had to make like fucking 30 of them. And then I finally <laughs> <Yeah>. got one. <laughs> yeah. Like, God, you know, you know, I guess, I guess in your world, in, in your world, you want, you're really just one injury away from that being taken away from you. If you're not doing yeah. these other things again, you know, in, in my world and Bo can attest to this, he and I, we've always had like multiple streams of something going. Like I, I can't imagine it 
I'll use my wife as the example. My wife doesn't understand why I always have two things going. Like I've yeah. had my, I've always done marketing and then I've had a t-shirt website and then it evolved into an MMA site and then it became the jujitsu store. I've always, and now there's the store, there's the podcast. She, it, it's, she's a nine to five, I work nine to five and I get a check and then I get to take weekends off. And here she doesn't get what I, she doesn't get that mindset of having multiple streams of income. But competitors, anybody out there listening that wants to be a competitor, you better be thinking about this stuff. You know, you have to be thinking about, okay, what if this ends tomorrow? Well, in the old school way of thinking that really frustrates me is that people will try to tell you that you can't do that. That if you want to be the best, you have to only focus on training. And I can understand why that thought is there, but I just think that that's a really close-minded and to be quite honest, lazy way of thinking about this because I know a lot of competitors um, that are very high level and my training hours are almost exactly the same, give or take, you know, an hour here, an hour there, maybe more than them, maybe less than them. Um, and I also get adequate, adequate rest and I take care of my body, but I'm very disciplined with my time and I'm able to get a lot of other stuff in there as well, because I don't sit on my phone for two hours or binge out on Netflix for six hours. Now, I also am not saying that to bash on anybody who does because I will go and have a Netflix marathon if I feel like it. But again, I'm really disciplined with the rest of my time and and I like to do a lot of things. I like to, I enjoy having my hands in a lot of pots at one time. And I just think that if more of us had a mindset of abundance where, hey, there's a lot of possibility. There's a lot of ways to do this. I can do a lot of things at one time and it's hard if I enjoy doing it. And I don't have to narrow myself down to one category the way that maybe some of these old school champions have taught us that we have to do. I've had many people tell me, if you want to be the best, you need to stop teaching. If you want to be the best, you need to stop doing this. And then I've gone, yeah, no, tons of people, very high level, highly respected people. And this is not to like famous people, but this is not to bash on them either because that is the way they came up through jujitsu and that was what they were taught. And that's, but things have changed. Social media has changed things. And also younger people learning more about business earlier on in their lives has also really changed things. I've been very lucky with watching, growing up with my parents that I watched them run businesses, even before jujitsu, they had their own businesses. I watched that from a very young age. And so I had different opportunities and mindsets than other people did. So there's also all that to go into it. But my main message is like, we don't have to be boxed into one thing. If you only want to do that, that's fine. But just know that there's a lot of risk that comes with that. And for me, it's not only the risk, but I just enjoy it. I get bored if I only do one thing, even yeah. if it's like exciting. I can't. Yeah, I, I definitely, if I'm with my wife and we're in a Netflix marathon, the phones go upside down. We'll get on each other. Exactly. Uh, uh, put it down. Don't, no, no, don't turn it over, you know. Uh, but if yeah. I'm by myself, it's, I'm posting. I'm, you know, Liking somebody else's share, I do a lot of sharing for our sponsors. Like we guarantee them, like, hey, we're gonna repost you this many times a month, uh, based right. on whatever you know package they're working with us on. So I, it, I find it, it's I won't just sit by myself and do a Netflix marathon. If I'm doing something, I'm multitasking. The computer's on my lap, or I've got right. my phone. I'm doing something, and I, you know, sometimes I do. Okay. I've got to turn it off. I just got to put it down. Go. I tell my wife almost every weekend, if you don't want me to pick up that phone, we have, let's get out of the house. We have to go somewhere. Let's do something. Yeah. And I, and I make a point to do that. Um, I, I think I saw an interview where you said, I don't know, were you living with your boyfriend or you are? Yeah, we, we live together. And you, and you both train, right? 
and and he's we both train. Yeah, we both train. We both teach. We're competing on Subversive together next year. Awesome. He's actually my tech, he's actually my technical coach as well. He okay. watches all my film. We have a lot of different like different parts of our relationship, which is interesting. He also works with me with my online coaching. Like, there's a lot of um, intersection there. But like you said, like if I, if we're hanging out and we're gonna have because of course you play a lot of roles. Well, you also have relationship roles that are, yeah. in my opinion you know, the most important things in my life are my relationship with myself and my relationship with the people that I love. Nothing trumps that at the end of the day. So that has to be a huge priority, but there's a way to make that a priority and then also do a lot of other stuff. It just depends on like how big you want your life to be. And if you don't want that many things going on, because you're not happy with a lot of spinning plates, you absolutely don't have to. But what really grinds my gears is when people try to say you can only do it this way or only do it that way because the world is full of infinite possibilities. I mean, what do you, how do you think people in Africa or China or Thailand or London are living completely different lives than us in completely different ways and getting similar results? I mean, it's absurd to say you can only do one thing. Um, Anyway, all that to be said, we will have time where we're like, Hey, like last night we went to a, um, a float, uh, one of those float places where you go and add some salt tanks. And we did like a no phone thing for like a couple hours before and after. And it was like, amazing you know but that doesn't mean my life stopped doesn't mean my job stopped my business has stopped you know it wasn't I think here's where it comes in it's intentional you know it was like I can just binge out because I was overwhelmed and stressed and couldn't handle it for another second so I just needed to be on my phone zone out we've all been there but it's intentional where it's like, Hey, I'm, and I'm going to add this in because this is what I'm feeling that I need right now and then tomorrow I'm going to go back to working on my thing you know and that's fine so did you ever did like, you ever date someone outside of jujitsu? I had a boyfriend in high school for a couple of years who I wrestled with. Okay. So that doesn't really count because we wrestled at the same you, time. You, you come, um, there's a common that that's really the question is kind of having being with somebody that doesn't have that common interest is sometimes difficult when you're this passionate or it's yeah. it's the it's your life, it's your personal life, it's the business. It consumes so much of your your time that sometimes somebody on the outside doesn't always get that. Yeah. So it, it can be very tough in what I've seen for other people. I've only had uh, a couple, I've only had three relationships, three like dating relationships Two high school and then two more. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> high school and two more. Uh, high school is like hard to say is an adult or not, but high school and post high school and then two more. So three relationships, just put it at that three relationships. And then Saul and I have been together for uh, a little over three years now. So we've been together for quite a while. So those relationships have all been with people inside my passion and my life. Mm -hmm. And so that has made things, it can be, it can be pros and cons, you know, because certain people that doesn't work very well, where there's like too much and you're with them all the time and you don't have space, or maybe you don't train well together or whatever it is. I've seen a lot of examples of that. That's really kind of sad to me actually, because it's like, it's just too much. However, the opposite is true with me and Saul. The more we are together, the happier we are. So when we're teaching together, training together, and we're, we're in different schools at different times, so we're not together 24-7, but when we are, it's great. And I can, I have a lot of friends who, yeah, have partners like outside of jiu-jitsu. And I think, the, to be honest, I think the main thing that, that gets difficult for people is the schedule overall, because 
doing a hobby is doing a hobby, but because jiu-jitsu is so much in the evening and then people are getting home at 9.30, 10 o'clock, and then people are upset because they weren't with the family and things like that, that's a very common thing and a very understandable thing too. You know, if you're having family time and then your partner's not there, it's it can be frustrating. So I think like the cliche thing that it always comes down to is like everyone says communication, you know, yeah. setting expectations, just like the sponsorships, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm giving. And this is what I'm expecting in return. Are you able to do that? If not, is there a solution we can find? You know, it's the same thing. It's just relationships. That's at least what I found. So let me go back to the competitions who, not you specifically, but are you a fan of the flow grapplings and the, and the, uh, the who's number ones I've I'm seven July will be seven years that I've been training and I've just found kind of that side and flow grappling in like the last two years since we was doing the podcast, you know, it wasn't, it was like, I went to train. I loved it. Hung out with my friends, watched UFC. I didn't really, right. I was just like flow grappling 139 a year. Oh man. That's like, that's a lot. That's my, you know, that. And, and finally, when I did the podcast, I was like broke down and got it because we were working with an organization and then it just started. I was just like, oh, wow, there's this whole other side. Are you a fan yeah. as well? So, yeah, I, so I'm a big fan of jiu-jitsu in general. And if you're a fan of jiu-jitsu and you're not like flow grappling monopolizes the jiu-jitsu market. So mm -hmm. if you're a fan of jiu-jitsu and you're not involved in flow, it's really hard to actually be a fan because yeah. everything's on flow. Yeah. So I, I think a couple things um, and a lot of athletes will, you know, mimic or mirror some of these feelings as well, at least the people I'm personally close with. Um, flow grappling does a lot of great stuff because when they're bringing income in from uh viewers because they do great production in a lot of ways then whoever they partner up with whether it's fight to win or who's number one or any event that they're streaming and they're able to do um economical partnerships then the athletes are able to get paid more as a result okay. so it all trickles down to the athletes and that's where i think you know of course the athletes are the people putting on the show but if you don't have a good production team then it's really hard to be interested in it so the athletes and flow need to work together and i think that a lot of times people get upset with flow because some of the the what's the word the, the presentation the representation excuse me the representation seems skewed uh, i think most of the time it's based on numbers which makes sense again it's a business but at the same time sometimes you know especially the women have you know some complaints about representation so at the end of the day there are things that i would change as far as representation and i think some of the stuff is really over the top like uh tmz however if we are talking about getting athletes paid you have to be talking about what is going to get views that's that's mm -hmm. really all there is to it what are people going to pay to see? And if anything that we've learned over the last hundred years is people pay to see drama, people pay to see intrigue, they pay when they're excited. And so if they're doing that, I mean, like sex and drama sells, that's it. You know, it's like, that's all there is to it really. And can we ask for more and can we put, you know, higher quality documentaries and stuff? Of course, all that stuff is relevant, but as an athlete, if I want to get paid and flows bringing in viewers and they're paying me more as a result, I'm happy. However, I do think this is going to create room in the next five years or so. We're probably going to see other companies come up and try to rival the monopolization of jiu-jitsu because jiu-jitsu is such a fast-growing sport still. It's like been a fast-growing sport and it hasn't slowed down. If anything, it's picked up. And I think the move to make things more like the UFC with who's number one and super fight events and big things like that, where they pump them up for long periods of time before the actual mm -hmm, event mm -hmm. are what's going to lead to other companies seeing that and saying, you know what, we could do that too. 
Because before it was like jujitsu, who gives a shit about that? I'm going to stream the worlds. Like no one wants to watch the worlds, 10 minute matches with double guard pulling. It's boring and stalling and all that. But when you put exciting fights on, then a company with a lot of money can look at it and say, wow, I could recreate that. I just need to get these 10 guys and gals and make an exciting event and people will pay 60 bucks a pop to see it and they'll do it. So I think the more it grows, the more companies are going to be. And competition, just like jujitsu, is good for everybody because yeah. it forces you to grow. So, so that's you got, my I know, overall like, opinion. UFC Fight Pass, I know, you know, they have like, I think they do, I think they do the combat jujitsu. They do EBI. They do stuff with, um, uh, with Eddie Bravo. I know, uh, was it the third cross grappling kind of got away from, from flow. Yeah. Um, I know of another organization. Yeah. What was that? I think, I think third coast streamed on a thing called fight TV on yeah. this last one. I, and I know another organization that is probably going to fill like fulfill their contract and then go away. Um, okay. uh, you know, uh, Substars, which it went out of business down here, which, you know, we were, in Florida. So we, we had them on one time. We had them on as guests. Uh, they went out, but they didn't want to use flow grappling because, you know, again, there's a monopoly and you got to kind of do things their way. And I love flow grappling, flow grappling. I love you guys. Uh, but I do see that people are starting to get away from them a little bit and they're putting on, you know, a little bit more, not only the fight to wins, but then I think really, right. uh, Who's number one, is that their organization, right? That's theirs. Who's number one? Yeah. And it started with wrestling. So who's number one was actually happening in in the wrestling world when I was wrestling and I had friends on it and I was, okay. I was a potential candidate for it. And then jiu-jitsu, and then it came and to grappling, but it was actually connected with fight to win. So it was fight to win flow. And then they like developed who's number one as, okay. as far as I could be wrong. But then I think fight to win was excused from the conversation and then they just made it a flow grappling event, um, which is interesting, but I think that's how it went. And yeah, I also just wanted to add, like, I think that a lot of people who complain about the price of flow or they just, you know, they just talk shit in general, don't really look at the mass quantity, quality as well, quality as well. But the mass quantity, like you said, once you got in there, you're like, oh, my God, worth every penny. It is worth every penny that I paid. And I even, you know, I'm working from home still because of the pandemic. My company went to an all like work from home model and they're going to stay there now, which is awesome. But I always have something on in the background, and half the time it's just fight, yeah. you know, uh, flow grappling. Just go ahead, let it let it go, and it just starts streaming. And you know, I just get that background noise every once in a while. Oh, like you know, like I just watched all the Daisy Fresh stuff recently. You know, so like and I'm like, oh, this is my place for content. I love this. And then you know, it's it's where I see. Oh, yeah, I'd really love to talk to that person. And then it's like, send them an invite. You know. Yeah. I think what they do at the production value, like I, I'm not, I don't want to make anyone mad, but I really think it's worth double or triple what they, what they charge for it. I would, I would pay that much for flow. And as one of the high level athletes that hopes to be on flow, whereas yeah. like a lot of athletes really shouldn't have to pay for flow, which is a whole other ridiculous conversation, <laughs> but whatever. Anyway, so with, so with, it's like, you want people to pay for it so you can get paid, but you're not willing to pay for it. Yeah. I mean, I'd leave that out of my contract. I'll just, I'll pay for it. <laughs> right. Right. So, so with that, I mean, look, you can, the great thing is that criticism is a beautiful thing, whether you own a business or you're criticizing another business or you're getting criticized as an athlete or by a coach or whatever it is, criticism, if it's meant constructively, it can be a great thing. So when people whine and complain, I don't think there's really like a whole lot of positive to come from that. Yeah. But when I sit here and I say like, honestly, like, and I would say this to any of them, Hey, I love flow. I think you guys do so much amazing work that people really take 
for granted and people don't like all of those breakdowns. Like there's just so much amazing stuff. However, even though I, even though I think it started to get better with representation, I do still think we have a little bit of an issue with how many women's fights are on cards and things like that. There is still room for improvement. That's, that's something that can be addressed. You know, that's actually something that can be addressed rather than just whining and complaining about pricing or monthly options or whatever it is. So I do think there's going to be more room for competition because flow has blazed the way. And that's another thing where people complain about flow the same way they complain about the IBJJF. IBJJF, they opened up IBJJF opens in like every major city of the country in like one year, they had that expansion one year and they lost so much money doing this, but they saw it as an invest in the beginning. They saw it as an investment because it was like, if we do this, people are going to start listening and next year they're going to start to show up. And that was huge. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars invested into something like this. So it really paved the way for other organizations to be inspired and say, you know what? I think we could do this. And I actually have this other idea and we can make it like this. So stay with flow. Oh, wait, we could do that, but I want to do it this special way. So I think it's a great thing. More growth, more competition. It's good for everybody. So you talked a few times about kind of women in the sport. What do you think is lacking in the sport in general for women? Uh, You know, I was listening to some stuff recently about uh, for, for women as it relates to ADCC, there yes. are only really two, right? It's, there's only two weight classes, right? It's like over and under and, and that's it. How do you change that? What, what has to come about to attract either? I'm guessing that it's, they need to attract more women in order to open it up for other weight, weight classes. But I mean, you're on the inside, you tell me. Yeah, this is a really touchy subject for many women because this is one of those areas where we are, this is probably the only area I can think of where we're no longer talking about complaining versus constructive criticism. It's just very black and white. Um, They they made this minus 60 and above 60 kilos, which is what, 132, 136, I think it's 136, I have to check, but something like that. a while back when they felt like there was a lack of women in the weight classes. Well, now if you look at the Nogi world's brackets and just take the women just from there, just from Nogi world, you have more than enough women to fill the divisions in the same numbers that the men have. Okay. So there isn't any excuse now. And one thing that's interesting is if you ever listen to Mo um, or Tom, Tom to blast, talk about this. They are both on the same page. They're like, you know what? We want more women's weight divisions. We, well, there needs to be more weight classes for the women, maybe even an absolute with super fights. Like we don't even have any of that. We have two divisions and that's it. There's no absolute, there's no um, super fight, which obviously makes it harder for the athletes to want to compete because of the opportunity to win and to medal and to prepare and to get hurt and things like that. However, it also is completely different financially because there's now not all these opportunities to go and win money as an athlete. So they are on the same page, which is great. And they publicly said this multiple times, but with an organization like ADCC, I don't know all the details, so I don't want to speak to what I'm not sure of, but at least how it seems is I don't think that there is like a board that like has a proposition and then they sit and vote. I believe it's just up to the the sheiks of the organization to make the call yes or no. Again, I could be wrong on that, but what Mo has said multiple times is I'm bringing this to the table, but they're resistant to change and the sheik and they have to say yes or no. And right now they're saying no, that's what we have been told. But 
the the really thing that the thing that's really like kind of disgraceful about it to me is it's not all about Gabby Garcia. You know, like I, I, people try to make it all about her. It's really not all about her. What it is about is the fact that you take me, I'm 185 pounds and you have me compete against somebody who weighs 140 or maybe that's as low as they can get. They can't get to that under 140 or under 132, 136 weight class. And you're telling them that their only opportunity to win the Olympics of Jiu-Jitsu, the most prestigious competition in the world, is to fight somebody, what is that, um, 30% heavier than they are or 45 pounds heavier than they are. And then on the other end, the smaller weight class as well. You have girls that are cutting down from 150 to make this 130-something weight class. And then you're going to bring the girls in that are 100 pounds and you're going to say, hey, your only opportunity to win is against someone 50% your size, bigger than 150% of your size. So that is really scary to me because like I fought Gabby Garcia once and she obviously has a lot of weight on me. I got shoved off the stage and backflipped over tables multiple times. It's a blessing that I wasn't permanently injured. Um, same with some of the other girls and I'm on the heavier side, you know, like I'm on like the heavier end of the spectrum too. So that's interesting, but yeah. So that's really the argument here is there needs to be more weight classes. We need an absolute division and we need the super fight the same as the men because the numbers in women competitors is not is no longer the issue it's an old excuse and it used to be relevant 15 years ago and at this point it's no longer a relevant conversation it's more of like you're making women's jiu-jitsu a circus by putting like those level of people with each other it's just kind of ridiculous honestly i agree i agree i hope that i i just think it's like anything just time it needs a little time, and sometimes even those that are resistant to change, they wind up coming around. But I'm really, uh, really happy to see again as somebody who trains in a gym with a, a lot of females because of the husband-wife team. You know, we have a lot of girls that have come up in the in our system at our, you know, at, at Fight Sports Coral Springs, and we've, you know, it, it's great to see an all-female card. It was, you know, it's right. the, is that the only? I think that might have been my first fight to win. You know, in in Florida that I went to. Because, you know, they were on the card and I didn't look at it as like, oh, well, there's men fighting and there's, oh, there aren't any men fighting. So I don't really want to go. to it, It's not. It's just like if you're a fan of jujitsu, you're a fan of jujitsu. And well, to be honest, women, like when when we come into a super fight and Fionn Davies is someone who's really amazing. She's spoken about this a little bit as well. There's so much pressure to be entertaining because we have this sense of like people don't want to watch it as much as they want to watch the men. So there's so much of pressure to be entertaining, which there should be if you're getting paid to perform. I don't, I don't disagree with that. Mm -hmm. um, that a lot of times, in my opinion, the women's fights are more exciting than the men's because the men, they really just care about the ranking and they want to win. The women want to put on a show and they're going to go ham and they're going to make sure that people are entertained. Like when I fought Nicelli, uh de jesus in march and it was my first match back after being out for six months going in with one of the most winningest women in the world who i respect a lot and i've had close masters with in the, in the past i went in and played a completely different game plan than i've ever played before and it worked out for me for a couple minutes until it didn't but it's okay because i've had a fight with her before that was like uh, it was decided by an advantage point. I got stuck in spider lasso for six minutes. It was boring. No one would have wanted to watch it. And I knew I didn't want that as the headliner of the show. So I went in and went for leg locks, which I never do. Yeah. And I pulled guard, but it was exciting and people loved it. And so I lost. And so it's okay. 
you know, but anyway, I think that really speaks a lot to the way that women are fighting for the representation on the cards and we're fighting to be paid equally. And I've really had to fight hard for that as well. Um, and I just think that like we have been patient enough as far as taking time and waiting and all that. I mean, it's been a long time. And so we show up with a hundred percent. I think we deserve to be paid that in, in return. But, and again, this comes down to like, what value are you bringing to the show? Because I understand statistics. I understand sports and money and all that very well. So then next question is you go and look at the social medias and more of the women have larger social media followings than a lot of the men. Yeah. And so who's really getting the viewers in? Who's really getting the eyeballs in? Like that really becomes an important question for people to to pay attention to. There's a parallel. I'm a, I was always a huge UFC fan uh, since uh, early 2000s uh, before I got into jujitsu. There's a parallel here with, you know, I kind of see hopefully the same thing will happen where the women's fights in the UFC are almost always more exciting than the men's fights. Almost always. Is it because they have something to prove? I don't know. Is it something to prove? Is it like, I've got to come at it harder because I, this is my shot. This is my opportunity. Yeah. Flexibility and we're different. We yeah. have different bodies. Yeah. Look, I mean, there's a, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch the, the fights tonight and uh, uh, Rose Nama Yunus is the fight is like, that's the only when I'm thinking of the fights tonight. I couldn't tell you everyone else is a kind of Camaro Usman is fighting and, you know, I, in my, I want to see the Thug Rose. That's the most interesting fight to me because right. I, you know, I think she's got a shot. But I, she's one of my favorite fighters. It has nothing to do with male, female. She's just one of the most exciting fighters, you know. So, well, you know, one thing that's really interesting that I that I, that I this is a great way to kind of come first full circle of what we talked about earlier. Think about Dana White. Okay, Dana White was so resistant to Rhonda, and I love Rhonda, and I actually grew up doing judo with her sister, and I trained with her and her mom, and know them really well. Yeah, and they're great. So, um, anyway, so the thing about Rhonda and Dana White, Rhonda had to beg and beg and beg and beg and beg for an opportunity. It had to start from the top. Dana had to say, okay, fuck it, Mm. we're going to do it, we're going to try it. Once he did that, how much money did Rhonda put into his pocket? How much value did she bring to the UFC because he said, okay, let's do it. So then when you think about like ADCC and you're like, are you guys really not going to add more? For what? For what? For a couple grand that you don't even care about? (laughs) For what reason? You know, like what, what's actually the reason just because you don't feel like it or you think about flow and it's like, and they're starting to do more and more, but it has to start for, and that's why I really respect Seth Daniels. It has to, when he was doing the all women's cards and stuff, and not only that, but now they're going back to women and men's combined cards, which I actually do prefer. I think it's better for viewers and optics and stuff. However, when he looks at the, the lineup of a card, he doesn't put the male in front of the female on the, um, sorry. Oh, the title fight. That's what I was looking for. For the title fight, just because of who they are, how many followers they have. He looks at titles. Like what have you won the worlds? Have you done this? Have you done that? So I have had fights that were like the last fights of the night over like really popular guys because I'm a more accomplished athlete. And when you, so coming for a full circle, when you take the chance to do that because you're supporting something or you think it's the right thing to do, or you want to see what's going to happen, the value will come back to you. Yeah. But if you just wait for the viewers to like to do it themselves or the athletes to do it themselves and you're resistant, you're going to be behind. You're yeah. going to be behind. And so I just think that Dana, Dana White example is like a great point and a great yeah. example to see 
stop being patient. Make it happen. Like you have the power when, when you're at the top and you have the power, you get to choose the change. And that's a big responsibility. So you got to choose in the way that society is moving forward. And we're seeing that that's happening. I think that's important. Awesome. Awesome. Listen, I want to, because I know that we want to not a little bit of a time crunch for you. Um, I've got some listener questions, so we're going to go through these and then we'll go through our little speed round and then we'll let you run. Okay. So, uh, okay. My first question is from crush. one I'm new to jujitsu, only been training for about six months and interested in doing competitions. The place I train at now does not have a competition team or competition classes. Would you consider changing gyms? So being new to jujitsu, my fast answer is no, because you don't really know uh, enough about jujitsu to make a, a good decision and, or an informed decision. And that's not a bash on, on you and your ability. It's just the, it's just facts. You know, if I go into a new field for six months, I don't really know enough to make an educated decision yet. And I would also say that most people who compete don't have competition teams and don't have competition classes. And it's very, very much possible to be a successful competitor, especially in the beginning stages at white and blue belt um, and even purple belt and brown belt, to be honest, Agreed. without competition classes. Just train hard. Just go and train hard and, and do your best to ask questions from the people who are leading your classes, because that's why they're there. They're teaching stuff for an entire class, but it may not be the best thing for you to focus on for that day. So ask questions. Hey, how is this looking? What should I be working on? How do I set up a game plan for a tournament? Or what was that look like? Or, you know, what's the possibility of me and my buddy who both want to compete, stay for 30 minutes after class and do a little bit of specific training or whatever you would advise. Ask questions. Don't just leave because we don't have enough information yeah. yet. So that would Yeah, be right. You advice. might go out to that competition and hate it. You may not like those nerves or cutting weight. Yeah. And your instructor, and, and also you haven't given your instructor a chance yet because they may be uber supportive. They may be really excited to help you. They, this may be a spark to have a competition class. I mean, yeah. who knows? There's a whole lot of possibilities, but until we ask questions and we get more information and we have trial and error, don't just give up on your team. Like, I'm not, you know, not like in like, oh, you must stay with them forever loyalty way, but loyalty is mm. important. And so if they've given you six months of good training, don't just step away because you don't have the information yet. So I would say, yeah, ask more questions, get more involved, put awesome. yourself in the middle instead of staying on the outside. Awesome. And by the way, just for the listeners, you guys know if, uh, if you've submitted a question, you know that you get a shot at a bottle of fight back CBD or we send you a podcast t-shirt. So just a reminder to anybody who wants to send questions, you don't have to wait for us to post to send questions. So you can send questions whenever you want. We'll work it into a future show. If it doesn't make sense on one, it might make sense on another. Uh, these were absolutely very specifically for you though. Okay. So, okay. So the next question is a uh, sauce BJJ. Um, what is one piece of advice that you wish your 12-year-old self knew? You know, mm. what would you tell yourself, the 12-year-old you, what would you tell yourself? Mm. That is such a great question. 12 was a weird age for me. <laughs> and and I know who Sauce BJJ is. She's a she's Aww. a uh, she's won a couple of prizes with us and she's a listener. Uh, so I, I she's I believe she's probably right around, you know, she's 12. <laughs> she's that's why she, she, I believe she's at 12 years old. Uh, she trains I think at M uh M&J in in uh, cool. oh god, they're going to kill me. I think it's Kissimmee, Florida. Awesome. So, so yeah, 12 years old, my number one piece of advice was is just to keep it fun. Because when I thought when I was 12 and 13, I had my whole life mapped out in front of me and I had everything planned down to the year. And some of those things happened 
but some of them completely changed and disappeared because when I got older, not necessarily that I didn't want them anymore, but I realized I wanted other things more that maybe I didn't see as a possibility when I was 12. And so I don't want to sit here and say, oh, you're going to change your mind because people always would tell me that. And you may not change your mind. That's also true. But you just don't know because as you grow, you have more vision. Like your vision is here and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you have more ideas for what you want to do. So my number one advice is to have fun and follow what feels fun for you. Don't make anything too hard or over the top. Do the parts that you enjoy. If you have different interests, interests, if you decide you want to paint, if you decide you want to be really great at math, whatever it is, do all of those things because jujitsu is not going anywhere, but train hard and have fun at the same time. And it sounds really simple, but when you really sit and think about what's fun for me, what do I enjoy? What do I do? Because I like it, not because someone else thinks that I should, or I think it's going to make me cool, or I think it's going to make me feel important uh, because I get a medal or whatever it is. Medals never really make us happy at the end of the day. So you got to love your life. So just have fun and follow that and you can't go wrong. Was there ever a time in in your jujitsu journey where you just said, mom, dad, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, I mean, I know that you, you changed it to wrestling, but was there ever a kind of more of a like, I don't want to do this. I'm not doing it anymore. What, did you ever have those kind of, cause I, as a kid, I quit, I did every sport and quit all of them. <laughs> so did you ever have that moment with, with your parents? I didn't um, until I switched to wrestling and I was like, I don't want to do jiu-jitsu. I just want to wrestle. But more, more interestingly, my sister did. My sister hated jiu-jitsu. She did a little bit as a kid, but she would quit and then come back and then quit. And she just wasn't into it. Um, and now she is 20 and she's like a very high level blue belt. And she started training again about a year ago. And she's like a full-time jiu-jitsu athlete at this point and loves it. Absolutely. But if someone had forced her to do it all those years, she would have been like, fuck that. I don't want to yeah. do that. You know, mm. so, but now she's obsessed with jujitsu. Like she's more obsessed than I am about learning new techniques and asking questions and all that. And it's beautiful because she was allowed the space to decide that for herself. So. That's awesome. And by the way, that was MJ and jujitsu. I got it confused. I said M and J, they'll kill me. Sorry, sauce, <laughs> sauce BJJ. All right. So Dino1578, my question advice for an adult wanting to wanting to try jujitsu for the first time but no idea where to start what's your advice you know I, I would say more like specifically what's your advice on like how do you pick a how do you pick a gym yeah it's a great question if you haven't ever trained before um so the number one thing oh my cat is getting involved here sorry yeah that's okay <laughs> um, the, no, the number one thing is um, try intro classes. You know, most almost every gym offers a free intro class or, you know, like $10 intro class or whatever it is. So try intro classes and try out all the schools in your gym and don't feel pressure to sign up at the first one. And when you go to these gyms, notice how not necessarily like all the stuff they sell you because they'll sell you great stuff. And I'm not against sales, but they will. And notice, but don't, rather than that, notice how you feel and how they make you feel and the energy of the place. And when you're on the mat on your first day, did they put you with someone high ranking? And like, did that person help walk you through the process or did they just throw you into sparring and yeah. just say, go for yeah. it? Because a lot of places do that. And I'm not a fan and people yeah. get hurt and they come to our gyms as a result. Did they put you with someone who knew what they were doing? Did the instructor learn your name? Did they say your name to you? You know, were, did they help you tie the bell? Did they show you where to go? And again, how did they make you feel? And if 
you felt like it was a place that you connected to the people and that you want to go back because jujitsu was hard. So you have to be somewhere where you want to go back. So if you feel comfortable and happy to go back, even if it's a little scary, that's normal though, too. So don't be turned off by that. It's a little nerve wracking um, and it's tough. Then uh, I would, I would stick with that and, and go with somewhere that you feel good and notice kind of all those things based on the instructor, the way people treat you. Now I, I'm, for myself, I might be a little bit biased because of the environment that I've come up in within the jujitsu world. Yeah. Uh, you know, my, I've been, I was at another gym for two years. He closed and then I, I went to fight sports and absolutely chosen because they were literally walking distance from my house. Happy that I made that decision. But when I, again, when I, when I have parents asking me about jujitsu or martial arts, I tell them, first of all, try jujitsu, find a good, a school with a good kids program. I said that before, but as a father of two daughters, I always tell people, even if they have, uh, you know, boys, boys or girls, doesn't matter. Say, I would really suggest finding a gym with a female presence. Um, I, I feel, uh, again, you know, my, I have a 27 year old and I have a 17 year old. If I was bringing my five year old six, you know, single digit child to yeah. a place where I'm going to drop them off and they're going to be in somebody else's hands. I feel very comfortable seeing a female presence. Uh, again, most of the coaches in my gym up to recently were, were all female. Uh, you know, the head coach, uh, you know, was, was male, but you know, kind of the, the blue belt coaches were, were almost always female. I feel as a parent, just a little bit more comfortable for me than just dropping them off with men. Um, especially if it was girl, I just would never drop off my little girl, whether I was yeah. staying or not. And just leaving them with, a, a, a adult men, uh, and even teen, teen boy, you know, I just think that it's, 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 comf it's comforting. That's a piece of advice that I would give. Yeah, I agree. I think the female president can change presence can change the energy of the school mm -hmm. a lot and it's great to have both, you know, and, and that's also great for your kids to have both as role models, as far as like how they're going to come up and view, you know, women in, in power or women in a, um, what's the word? leadership positions, leadership mm -hmm. positions and men in leadership positions. And it's great for the energy because they have a little bit of a different maternal instinct as well. And just great. I, I find that when I'm teaching with men, it's a, it's a great mix of energy and taking care of the class and keeping an eye on everything. And same with adults too. So I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Uh, this is from Christian loves jujitsu 21. How this is very specific, and and we talked about wrestling and judo, so this is perfect. How would you blend wrestling and judo takedowns for BJJ? And then he makes they make a statement. I've been incorporating judo judo foot sweeps to my techniques, but neglecting wrestling takedowns, of which I'm familiar from high school wrestling. So again, how would you blend wrestling and judo takedowns for BJJ? Yeah, so this is like an instructional. So yeah. I <laughs> it is. <laughs> hours and hours about it just because there's so many different subsets and topics um but i would say like for me there was a lot of trial and error because i noticed when bring when bringing my wrestling to jiu-jitsu i got guillotined a lot and mm. i got triangle plot a lot landing and takedowns and things like that um so i would say like also there's very two very different answers for gi and no gi as well um in the gi to blend wrestling you really have to focus a lot on grip breaking and shooting from an outside distance and then also grip breaking and using that to control the hand and go into takedowns from there judo is a little bit more cut and dry uh, because you have the the kimono on the gi in the gi 
in Nogi, I would say wrestling is just obviously so prevalent, um, but you have to be very careful of your head placement. So there is no room for leaving your head on the outside of the body. You have to have your head on the inside of the body, on the shoulder, on the chest. You cannot drop your head below the person's hip line, um, and you cannot bring your head to the outside to, to finish shots, unless you're finishing like a double where your head is going up and over, but you can't drop your head down um, at all. So that's a really big thing to focus on for wrestling. And then also I really encourage combining wrestling and judo in the sense where you're using wrestling shots with a lot of upper body ties. So we're using like two on ones, we're using arm drags, we're using underhooks, we're using wizards, rather than focusing on a lot of like outside low singles or um, things like that. So you can combine those upper body ties, whether you're doing like a far knee tap or a fireman's carry or an inside trip to a double leg or a back clinch take, or you're using them to work on your throws. You're going to Uchimata, you're going to Harai, you're going to Taitoshi, uh, hip throws, clinches, suplex, things like that. So I really think that that is the most helpful thing for me is keeping my head on the inside of the body and staying safe so that I'm not exposing my neck. And then secondarily is com combining a lot of these upper, upper body ties and then using those to attack both judo and wrestling. Because when I attack the wrestling and the wrestling fails, a lot of times I can go back to the throw and I'm attacking the throw, the throw fails while well, I still have my upper body clinch and I can drop down to a, a high single leg. So there are a lot of ways to combine those. The gi gets more tricky um, and I use judo more in the gi than I do use my wrestling but you just have to focus a lot on grip break and hand control and shooting from, from the outside. Awesome. Awesome. Great answer. Thank you so much. Uh, let's get it. We're going to go right into our speed round. Now I, again, okay. I always say I call this a speed round. You can answer, you can take your time answering if you want. One word answers are fine. Uh, I've okay. got a bunch of questions and I'll just run through them and, and we'll, uh, we'll see where it goes. All right. So preference gi or no gi. Uh. Depends on the day, but no, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. More I talk, I, I'm sorry. I talked over you. Go ahead. Gi or no gi? Huh? Oh, uh, no gi right no. now, but I love. All right. Uh, go to sub. I'm sorry. Go to sub, go to submission. What's your oh, go to? Oh, uh, submission. Um, guillotines, but right now I'm really focused on heel hooks. Awesome. Be ready for that. They're coming. Uh, <laughs> Takedown or pull guard? Always takedown, but I've been doing a lot of leg locks lately, so I've been pulling guard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Favorite competitor? Who do you love to watch? Oh, man. Uh, I love to watch Hamilton Bahal. I'm a, I'm a classic. Okay. Another Californian, right? He's from out there. That's uh, right. Toughest match ever? The semifinals of Nogi Worlds at Black Belt when I fought Julia Bosher and I won by two advantages for like a takedown and a semi back take in the last literally 10 seconds. I was losing by a penalty, 0 0, one penalty. And I won in the last 10 seconds on the very end of the match with two advantages. And that put me in the finals. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Other than achieving the rank of Black Belt, what is your ultimate goal in the world of Jiu Jitsu? I want to be the most winningest American there has ever been, male or female. Might be hard to be Gordon Ryan, but <laughs> the most American. Um, and, of course, Lovato and some of the other greats. But, yeah, I want to be the most winningest American female and also the most winningest American overall. And just kind of across the board, gi and no gi. Maybe the gi will help me get there with him. <laughs> so, so, yeah, gi and no gi. Across jiu-jitsu. What would you be doing 
if you were not doing jujitsu? Like with your life, um, <laughs> if you had not found jujitsu. Wow. I, I'm very passionate about sports psychology. So I do believe that I would be, I, I kind of work in that with my businesses that I do on the side, but uh, anything to do with like leadership, business um, and mindset. Yeah. Definitely involved in those passionate about those. What is I the, just apply it. Sports. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in competition or even, you know, training on the mats in your gym, craziest thing that's ever happened. Craziest thing. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound so ridiculous, but I did have an ex-boyfriend put me to sleep, like with a choke, and then blame it on me. Because he said I didn't tap fast enough. <laughs> Best get, answer like, ever. Best answer to that question ever. And then get like really upset with me because I embarrassed him by like not like by passing out. Yeah, really, really dramatic. That's a whole other story for another time, but I'll go with craziest for that. All right, we have two questions left. What is your biggest regret as it relates to jujitsu? Do you have any? Oh man, biggest. I guess not a regret, but if there was something I could change, it's just hard because you have to, like, you just know more with more perspective is I think I would have just given myself more credit for what I had done in the colored belts because I kind of like convinced myself that it didn't matter because I wasn't a black belt yet. So I just didn't even really celebrate it. So I would have given myself more credit um, because I did a kick-ass job in the colored belts yeah, and, I, and I think I should have allowed myself to enjoy that more, which I didn't. Okay. Last question. Most important question, Kendall. Uh-oh. Most important question you're ever going to answer. Oh, no. Not today or anywhere ever when it comes to jiu-jitsu. Okay. Do you or do you not wash your jiu-jitsu belt? I wash my belt after competition training only. Uh, if, enough. That, perfect. You're on team. Uh, uh, hashtag wash you, your belt. You wash team it, wash your belt. You wash it. You're on the team. You wash it. You're on the team. <laughs> The other the other All team right. is we we we've had mostly team wash your belts lately. The other one is uh, hashtag powers in the belt. My all of my podcasting partners, nobody washes their belt, and I even think when it's soaking wet, they don't wash their belt, and I think it's nasty. Nasty. <laughs> sounds like ring. Does Miguel wash his belt? Wait, I forgot about Miguel. Miguel's one of our newer roundtable uh, uh, hosts. I think he might wash it every once in a while. Everybody else that I started this podcast with. Oh. They don't want to say about nasty, disgusting. Still, it's still yeah, I, I just have to pump training when it's like when it's gross. I, 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 I don't know if it's just about COVID, but more people are answering that they wash it now. So <laughs> that I, may be fun, I respect yeah, that. Well, Kendall, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. But the, the most fun podcast for me are when I barely get to ask any of my list of questions that I keep to like when it just those are my favorite and I have like 20 questions here that I didn't ask you and hopefully we can have you back and we'll go over some of those other questions and, but I really appreciate you doing this stick around for just one second uh, everybody we're going to be right back we'll do a little housekeeping stick around alright guys thank you for sticking around awesome interview oh indeed if I say so myself I mean she was awesome very Kendall, smart Kendall was great. very yeah. very smart girl it was uh, you know we know it's always nice when we speak someone that when we talk to somebody who speaks our language, when it comes to the marketing side of things, yeah. like we know those things that, that she's telling us, we're like, we're, we talk about those things. We kind of live by those things, you know? So yeah, that, uh, it's that's always, our world. That's, yeah. She's speaking our language, you know, not only jujitsu, but it's funny because uh, this is, this is something that you hear in any of these 
these sports, the competition sports, you'll hear about this. Like, what's what's the first thing you need to know going into the sport? Marketing. What's the second thing you need? The sport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the right. sport is less important <laughs> than marketing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, for jujitsu, again, you know, how many times have I said, oh, I got hurt, I got a rib, you know, rib injury, a knee. You're one injury away from only being able to coach and not being on these events that we're talking about, yeah. the fights to win, the fight to wins and the and the who's number ones. The fact that she's got so many different, she called it like, you know, plates yeah, she in has the plates air. spinning. You know, this is, it's, <laughs> she must it's have important. seen the Chinese plate spinners, you know, that do you know, the. It's why we do the different things that we do. We've always got something well, going. We, There's always something we to We figured this on. out a, a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, it's over 10 years ago that we yeah. realized that at this point, the market has changed so much. The yeah. world has changed so much. You can't rely on just one job like the old days. Yeah. You know, put, your, put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Who would have known we'd be in the middle of a global pan- pandemic, yeah. you know, and yeah. we've still been able to do this. And that's the right mindset yeah. to have in, in a yeah. situation like that. It's resourcefulness, you know. All right, everybody. Uh, don't forget, you can support the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation. Just look, I'm going to make it short and sweet for you guys. Go to at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Instagram. Hit the link in our bio. You can find out all the different ways you can work with us. You can help with our projects. You can donate. You can check out our sponsors. Everything is there. So, uh, again, at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies on Instagram. If you donate at least $50 to the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies Foundation, where we award scholarships to veterans, first, first responders, and kids. If you donate 50 bucks, we'll send you either an embroidered Jiu-Jitsu belt from Flow and Roll, or you can get a mug from the shop, from the podcast store, okay? So, again, check that out. Uh, Patreon, thank you guys. Thank you to all of our supporters. Carlson Gracie Winterhaven in Winterhaven, Florida. You can check them out at carlsongracywinterhaven.com. And you can check out their Instagram at Carlson Gracie underscore Winterhaven. All right. Carlson Gracie Broward County in North Lauderdale, Florida. You can check them out at Carlson Gracie Broward County dot com and their Instagram at Carlson Gracie Broward County. All right. Tell Big J that Milton and the dummy sent you a special thank you to John Way Martial Arts in Plantation, Florida. John Way Martial Arts dot com. And their Instagram is at John Way Martial Arts. All right. Our other Patreon supporters include Frank Walker. Excuse me, Robert Walker, Frank Howes. <laughs> you always Wolf, say this yeah, every week. Every th- <laughs> <laughs> I was scrolling. I was scrolling. Right. I should know all this stuff by heart by now. So Robert Walker. That's uh, uh, Bridger Walker's dad. Yep. Right. Are one of our scholarship winners. Frank House. Wolsey Rivera, Boa Athletics. I got my Boa Athletics tee on today. Yeah. Right? Pretty awesome. Right? It's actually purple. Just and for, for the a, viewers. And I'm a, uh, <laughs> seeing, seeing it's a not blue. blue. I'm a purple belt. not blue. It's purple. <laughs> Boa Athletics on Instagram. It's at BOA underscore athletics. Special thank you to Michael Pixley Jr., Jason Smiley, Britt Tavar, James Fisher, CJ Carroll, Mission 22, Chuck Reddor out in Hawaii, and Roberto Santiago down here in South Florida. We appreciate you guys. If you'd like to support the show, again, go to our Instagram, at Jiu-Jitsu Dummies, click the link, find the Patreon link, and you can just support us with as little as $5 a month, and you're automatically entered into a giveaway. It's up to a $100 giveaway every single month. You'll either get, you know, you got Fightback CBD, does stuff once in a while. Uh, I just gave away a... A gi from Tap Cancer Out, 
We're going to give away another one from Flow and Roll. And look, we also include listeners who submit questions. So that all goes into like a pool. And then we choose using an app and, you know, we choose a winner every single month. So up to $100 worth of gear. All right. Check out the podcast store at jujitsudummies.shop. 15% off with code JJD. Uh, T-shirts, face shields, backpacks, coffee mugs. We got everything there. Also want to do a, a special thank you to WeDefy. The WeDefy Foundation supports veterans and the jiu-jitsu community. And, and for those of you who don't know who they are, they're helping provide therapeutic relief to disabled combat veterans through jiu-jitsu. All right, so check them out on Instagram at WeDefy Foundation. And you can donate anytime at WeDefyFoundation.org. All right? Huge, huge shout out. They've been with us from the beginning, right, Bo? For the very first episode, Fight Back CBD. You can get 20% off your CBD order at fightbackcbd.com with code JJD. All right. Uh, last but not least, you can support the, the foundation, the Jiu Jitsu Dummies Foundation on Amazon Smile. Very simple. All you're doing is going to your Amazon account, going to your settings. You change your settings to Amazon Smile, and it allows you to choose a nonprofit that you want to donate to every time you order. It doesn't add to your purchase price. Amazon donates a portion of what you spend to the foundation of your choice. Okay? So check that out. Again, Amazon Smile. I'm my Instagram is Uncle Milty. Oh, I forgot my own Instagram. Yeah. At Uncle Milty BJJ <laughs> on IG. This is what I get for trying to do it a little bit different every yeah. time. This yeah. I do it to myself. At Uncle Milty BJJ on IG. What do you got, Bo? You about to say something? No. You good? No, I'm good. Yeah. All right. Uh, All right, everybody. Thank you for watching and listening. Stay safe, everyone. Us. Woo. Now we I'm not going to sing it this time. Just dance because yeah. the music's playing already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we're out.